Hi, and thanks for joining in on the Pastor's Class Podcast. Whether you missed a week of class or just want to re-listen to a message, this is the resource for you. Be sure to visit our website at pastorsclass.org for any other information you might need. We hope this message blesses you. And again, thank you for listening. Oh
Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Um, I know Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. Family, friends, and food. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. And football. Um, and I have to mention, because they gave me a microphone, I told Scott last week that having, asking me to teach this week is very dangerous because Auburn, Alabama played today. And that the outcome of that game could change the course of the lesson. Well, Auburn did win. So I was tempted to take 15, 20 minutes and just gloat because I don't get that opportunity very often. But anyway, it's, it's been a fun, a fun weekend. Um, we are in Acts chapter 8, 1 through 25. Um, and I think the testimonies that have been shared tonight kind of go along with the lesson. Um, the title is just go. We're going to talk about action words at the very end, but how this text teaches us to go, why and where would it to proclaim the gospel. So as I was preparing for it, I read about a farmer from China who had cataracts removed by a, mission, a missionary doctor. And he was so amazed at the healing that he went back. And then the missionary, after a few days, the missionary doctor looked out his window and he saw this, this farmer and there was this long rope and there were people holding on to the rope. And it was a bunch of people that were blind. He was bringing them to be healed, the same healing that he had experienced. And I thought about that, that all of us in our lives, we're surrounded by people that are spiritually blind. We've been healed. If, you've, if you're a follower of Christ, you've received that same healing. Your cataracts have been removed from your eyes. You see the truth. So I wonder how many of us have people holding on to our rope and we're just bringing them to Jesus. So think about that as we go through the lesson tonight. So before we read the text, just a just brief background um, we finished Acts 7 with Stephen being stoned, and then the very first three chapters, verses of 8, is we're introduced to Saul, um, and he was probably the most powerful persecutor um, of the church. He was a lover of the law, a Pharisee, and actually, before he found Christ, as he was a persecutor, he believed he was doing right by destroying the church. He thought that was honoring God. Um, and then, so we're going to pick up here where we see um, Philip flee Jerusalem. So you think back to Acts 1.8, go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So Philip flees the persecution um, and goes to Samaria. Um, and the Samaritans were of Israelite origin, but they had a mixture of Gentile blood, so... Um, they weren't well-received among the Jews. Um, frankly, they were hated. Um, so the, the prejudice was, was very deep, and it was kind of a reminder to me that race has always been an issue in our world. It's not something that's brand new. Um, it was, I mean, it, it existed right there. So I'm going to read Acts 8, 1 through 3. And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So I already told you a little bit about Saul. I'm going to read um, verse 3 again from the New Living Translation. I thought it really drives the point home of the, the, uh, the depth of the persecution. It says, But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them in prison. 
That's the violence that Philip was, was fleeing when he goes to Samaria. This is going from house to house, dragging people out. His mission was to destroy the church. So we'll pick up, I'll read uh, 4 through 8, where uh, we pick up with Philip going into Samaria. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they had heard him and saw the signs he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many of them. And many were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Verse 4 says they were preaching. The Greek word there really means they were just sharing the good news. They weren't trained preachers. They weren't professional ministers. Philip was just basically a missionary by circumstance. He had fled Jerusalem to Samaria, and that was his new mission field. It says they were scattered, and that's where, that's where he, had, he had landed. Um, but I started researching a little bit more, but, but why was Philip so effective in Samaria when the Jews did not like the Samaritans? And I was reminded that because Philip had Jesus, he didn't see that same prejudice because Jesus didn't see that. It was a reminder to me that um, although there are um, some race issues still today, um, you know, it's debatable of how deep or how wide they are, but I think we can agree they, they are, we are there. But if we see people the way Jesus sees them, we see people the way Philip saw the Samaritans, and we love them the way Jesus teaches us to love them, then we'll see people healed, and there'll be much joy in our city. The last verse, verse 8, says there was joy in their city. And so Philip didn't go just proclaiming the word, though. It says in verse 7 that, um, in 6 and 7, that he performed miracles. But we, but we need to remind ourselves that nobody's saved by miracles, you know, God uses those to bring people to him, but it doesn't mean that we aren't to vocalize the word of God. We aren't um, just supposed to um, or see the, the miracles and, and, and the healings. It's still proclaiming the gospel to people. So um, back to the persecution for a moment. Um, we, taught, we had a guest about a month ago come talk to us about persecution in his country. You know, it's bad. It's horrible. But I think if you research countries where persecution is great, you also see great movements of God. Yes, we're to pray for the persecuted church, but if you really look at it, they're experiencing a movement of God that really I think all of us would crave. Now, we don't crave their persecution, but I think we would crave that movement of God. And that's what was happening in Samaria. So, and it says they were scattered. I grew up in the country in Alabama, so the scattering of seeds is, is the first thing that came into my mind. Lots of farmland. And the seed is scattered, it's watered, and you see a great harvest. And that's what was happening here in Samaria. Was, Philip was just a seed that was scattered. So think about where we're scattered every day. It doesn't mean you're going to another country, you're fleeing Dallas to go somewhere else. You know, we're, we've all been scattered in our neighborhoods. Jarrett mentioned at the closing of the service tonight about the door hangers. You know, if you've been praying for your neighbor 
to find Jesus, maybe God has you in that house for a reason. So we've been scattered in our neighborhood. We've been scattered in our places of work for a purpose, just like Philip here. So I think, you know, out of these, this section, just take Philip's example and that wherever we are, we're to preach the gospel through the way we live, through our words, whether at home, at school, at work, it doesn't matter where we are scattered, as John said, from Saturday to Saturday. That's, that's our mission field. So the last section, 9 through 25, I won't, do the time, I won't read, read all of the verses, but um, verses 9 and 10 were introduced to Simon. And the text says that Simon practiced magic in the city. He amazed people in Samaria. So he was, perform- he was impressing the people with magic. And then in comes Philip, and he's, there's all these miracles. And so now they're impressed with these miracles, and they're hearing about Jesus, and they're becoming saved. And in verse 13, it says, even Simon himself believed. And then he, after becoming baptized, he continued on with Philip, and he get, became amazed at seeing the signs and miracles. So Simon was blown away by the miracles because of his magic work. Maybe not so much we'll see in the, the next few verses, not so much by the Word of God. He was more impressed with, um, with the signs and the miracles. Um, in the next few verses, um, Peter and John come. They, they hear what's going on with Philip, and so they call for some of the apostles. So John and, and Peter come, and they begin to pray over people. And it says, and this is probably... Um, enough for a few lessons here. It talks about John and Peter laid hands on them and then they received the Holy Spirit. So we're not going to debate that tonight because there's a, a lot of different opinions on why, if they had already been saved, why they had not um, received the Holy Spirit at that time. Um, you know, it could be just to protect the unity of the church, you know, for the apostles to do it. Um, and, you know, once we get to Acts 10, it'll be a little more clear. But the first Ten verses of Acts is, is kind of a period of transition from the Jews to the Samaritans to the Gentiles. Um, and then we get to Acts 10 is kind of where it, it flips, and we clearly see that every time someone accepts Christ, they immediately receive the Holy Spirit. So here, I mean, like I said, there is a lot of different opinions on it, but the bottom line is these people believed in Jesus, and they did receive the Holy Spirit. And then here, Simon um, is amazed at that, the laying on of the hands and the Holy Spirit. Well, then he wants those same powers. And that's when we'll see Peter tells him, hey, that's not, that's not how it works. You know, you can't buy the Holy Spirit with, with money. You can't buy the power um, or the gifts with money. As a matter of fact, Peter says in, in 21, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. So Peter's reminding Simon that, um, you know, it is the power of Jesus that we're saved, that we receive the Holy Spirit. You can't do it by money. You still have a wicked heart and that our hearts have to be right before God. And that's, I mean, to me, that just breaks it all down is that, at the essence of it, our hearts at all times need to be right before God. And then the last couple of verses, we see what happened 
um, with the Samaritans once they received the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing that happened in Acts 2. Everyone who believed received the Holy Spirit. They, got the Holy, they received their spiritual gifts, and they began, they were on fire. They just began sharing the gospel with everybody in their, um, in their sphere of, of influence. Um, so what can we take away? Preach Jesus. Uh, we can't judge others' motives like Simon. We don't, I mean, Peter rebuked him here, but, you know, there's probably people in our lives that um, we're not so sure about. That's between them and the Lord. It's not our job to determine the sincerity of the heart. We've talked about that in this series, that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to others. It's not us speaking to them. It's us through the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to others and the Holy Spirit speaking to them. It's our job to share the good news, but it's not our job to save them. And that's a, you know, that's something that I think most of us, if we're honest, will struggle with at times. You know, we want to be the ones that get the credit, right? Um, but it's really, you know, it's just us being available and allowing the Holy Spirit to, to speak through us. So I'm a pretty practical person. So when I read this, um, I research a little bit. I just think in my mind, so what does it mean, right? So what? You know, this is an interesting text. You know, they go to a different country. We hear about persecution. We see miracles. But what does it mean for you and me? I think at the core of it, it's all about action. I think this text is all about action. We've talked about, um, Scott mentioned it a couple weeks ago, about being. what does it mean to be spirit-filled? It's fully surrendered, right? So if we are that, then there's some actions that we need to take in our lives. So three words, love, and what I mean by love is love God and love others. In Mark 12, they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He says, to love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is to love your neighbors yourself. So all of us need to love God and love others first. The second thing is go. We need to be available and obedient to go. You know, we may think there's, you know, God's not calling us to go. Well, again, you're in a certain neighborhood, you're in a certain school, a certain job. So go, be available and be obedient every time you go, whether it's at home or work. And the last word is tell. So not only do we go every day, we need to tell others about Jesus, the Great Commission. Go therefore in all the world. So, um, you know, I wrote down for myself as I was studying this, I kind of did a personal evaluation. How am I doing in this? How's my love for God? Or more, how's my love for others? Not always the best, right? And then um, I started thinking about every day, do I leave home with a mindset that I'm going where God has me for that day? I may not like my job that day, but if I leave home with the mindset that I'm, that I'm going there because God has put me there for a purpose, then perhaps it changes my perspective on going to work or if I'm going to a ball game or whatever we're doing. Um, you know, it didn't have to be a mission trip. You know, for me, it did take a mission trip back in 2009 to kind of change my heart in that. Sometimes it does take that. 
but you don't have to go on a mission trip to, to experience this. It's an everyday life. If you're a follower of Christ, you, you have a story to tell. You may not think you have a story. Everybody has a story, and everybody has a platform. We've talked about it before. Some bigger platform, some smaller. doesn't matter. doesn't matter the size of the platform. So as we close, think about the farmer in China. You know, think about your rope. Who's, who's holding on to your rope that you're leading to Jesus? Think about that this week as we go through. And the holidays is a, is a pretty easy time, right, to talk about Jesus. Because there's a lot of people that say Merry Christmas or they'll come to church or whatever. So this is an easy time to load up that rope, right? You know, so think about as you leave here tonight, um, and, and John's challenge of from Saturday to Saturday. So think about it as you leave tonight. Just start making a list of those people and in your influence that are spiritually blind and that need to grab a hold of that rope and be brought to Jesus. Because you could be the Philip in their life. Not fleeing persecution, but going where God has called you to go. And just like Philip, we're not professional ministers, we're not professional preachers. Just a missionary by circumstance. In your circumstances, you live where you live. You work where you work. So, love God, love others. Go and tell. All right? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this class. We thank you for everybody here. Um, we thank you for the design of this class, the diversity of the class the openness of the class, and just people willing to share. And God, I just thank you what this class means to me personally, the way people challenge me through testimony, through accountability. And God, I thank you for Michael and Jen and their uh, willingness to, to lead worship and their heart for you, their heart for worship, and just leading us to um, be grateful and to sing praises to you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is always relevant to us today. And God, I pray that each one here, God, that we would leave here with a greater love for you, with a greater love for others, with a greater desire to, to go and to tell others about you. And God, I pray that we would see where we live and where we work is where you have us. We're all missionaries by circumstance. And that we would embrace that. We would embrace where you have us every day. And that our perspective would change. God, that we would see our neighbors, our coworkers as, as blind. And that we want to share the supernatural healing that we have experienced in you. So God, I pray that each one of us would leave here with a new desire to share you with others. Always we pray in your name. Amen.